She makes me look better now. All right. Yeah, so we are starting a series called Share Jesus. I, did you start it last week without me? Kind of. I, no, no, yes and no. Yeah, we're always sharing Jesus. But and we're sharing next, our water yeah, too. Right, yeah. so. <laughs> for the next three weeks, we're, we're speaking together. And so I'm so glad that you guys came for this first message in the series. It's always fun and interesting when we both get up here together, <laughs> um, step over each other a little bit and stuff. So um, I'm, I'm really glad you came. I believe that the Lord has given us a word to share with you that will impact your life. And so I, I'm excited for you that you were able to get here after being up late last night. I know our house is a disaster. Solo. You're not coming over for dinner today. That's not happening. Solo is an excellent cook. He's not always so awesome at cleaning it all up. So we got a lot of work to do this afternoon. But but we're here. You guys are here. And yeah. we made it. And it's going to be good. It's going to be good. So we're going to open the word to Luke um, 1. If you have your Bibles, your phones, and I believe it's on the screen too. Yeah. So you can read along. I'm going to read, starting at verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all of the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah, listen to this, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Awesome. That's the beginning of the Christmas story. I know sometimes we, we start the Christmas story by, well, in the, in the city of David, in Bethlehem, and we start with Jesus. But really the story of Christmas does not start with Jesus. It starts with a person who came to prepare a way for Jesus. Oh, we could share water, you know. <laughs> Thank you so much, Pastor Chris. Tell you, that's serving behind the seat. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You know, it, it, the story of Christmas doesn't start with Jesus. It starts with someone who uh, came to prepare a way for Jesus. John the Baptist is the forerunner of Christ. Uh, the Bible says that he came to prepare a way for, for the Lord. And, and, and it's amazing um, when, when he came... Um, <clears throat> He came at a time where Israel was very, it was very dark in Israel. Uh, they had not had many prolific prophets uh, at that time. And so when he came, he came to call people. He came on a message that was a hard message. Not the message that you're beautiful, you're gorgeous, you're, you're, you can do anything in this world. He came with a message of repent and turn back to God. 
And you know that the story of repent and turn that back to God is not the one that tickles your ear, but it's the reality of what, what we all need to do, is that we need to kind of go back to God and, and, and hear what sometimes we don't want to hear, but it is the right thing to do. But that's how the story of Christmas begins. It, becomes, it begins with the story of John the Baptist, whose purpose was so clearly defined. He was born for a mission, and that mission was to prepare people so that when Jesus comes, people will be ready to receive Jesus. So without John the Baptist and his ministry, Jesus would have come and have to reintroduce before he actually even started his message. But John came and plowed the ground, the hard ground, and when Jesus came, many people were able to believe, many people were able to be saved because John had already prepared Uh, his way for Jesus. As you look through the story, you see, all through it, you see faith. You see the story of God's uh, promise. You know, God is faithful to his promise. In fact, the Bible says that his his promises are yes and amen for those who are in Christ. We can look at God's provision. He can supply. He supplies all, all of our needs according to his riches in glory. So this story really begins our Christmas season. Now, just like John the Baptist you and I are also called to prepare people so that Jesus will come. Most Many people will not come to Christ unless... In fact, nobody comes to Christ unless someone's prepared a way for them to come. Now, it is God who saves people. It is Christ who saves people. It's the Holy Spirit who changes people. But it is us who prepare. We're the ones that prepare people to come to that point by sharing His Word, by sharing His love in many different forms. But that's our job like John the Baptist is, to prepare people so that their hearts will be ready for Jesus to come in. So a lot of times when this subject comes up in church, we can feel guilty or we can even tune it out right away. Oh, we're talking about sharing Jesus because we don't want to avoid those feelings of guilt or these feelings of inadequacy that may come up, fear, intimidation, lack of being strong enough, lack of boldness or not I'm not faithful enough, those kind of things. Um, there's even times where we will look at, to the outside and, and start comparing ourselves like, well, I am no Billy Graham. I am no Pastor Solo. Pastor Solo is really awesome at sharing the gospel everywhere he goes. That. And I am not Pastor Solo. I can't do it. Like I can't. I just can't. And we start tuning it out right away. Or even our most evangelistic friend will compare ourselves to you. But the truth is that God has put a, something in each one of us. We all have a mission, just like John the Baptist. We all are called, each one of us, in our own way, our own unique way. And so today we really we want to share with you four points from this story of John the Baptist and um, and his parents, really. And we want to share these four points that you can keep in mind from this part of the Christmas story about um, being active in sharing, sharing Jesus. Okay, so the point one is living in God's will. If you look back at verse 8, where's my page here? Verse 8 through 11. I'm going to read that one more time. It says, Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot. That means it was his turn. He was called. He was picked. He was on the schedule, so to speak. (laughs) And it was according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Zachariah's life calling happened in a normal day. He was serving. He was doing his job. His name was up. 
it was his turn. He was just where God wanted him to be. It probably seemed very simple to him. It probably seemed maybe even mundane or, or just like, oh, it's my turn. I'm on. And yet that's where everything changed for him. You know, it's not complicated for us either. If you're not living in sin, you're more than likely in God's will for your life. You're walking where God wants you to be. And he has a plan for you right where he has called you, right where he's called you, just like, just like Zachariah. You know, it's funny because they, 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 for the, in the story it points out that the Zechariah was a descendant of Joshua. You know, that goes back to the time of Moses when the Israelites uh, crossed over the Jordan and went to uh, the, the, the Red Sea. The Jordan went to the other side of the promised land. God selected, uh, out of the 12 tribes of Israel, he selected the Levites uh, to, be, to, to, be, to serve as priests. Joshua and his four sons were the first priests for Israel. And in fact, that particular tribe, they were told they were not to even take secular jobs. Their work was to actually serve the Lord in the temple and all the things that had to do with that. And so, and so, so they came up with all these different ways that they served. And so, so I would imagine because for their tribe, he was born a Levite. Um, uh, he knew that he's in part of, he's going to be a, a temple worker. And, and, and some of them were priests. Uh, and for him, that was a job. That was what he did for, for, for a living. And I, and, I, and I don't know about you. For, for, for many people, it's just you, you work. Some people, they work in this incredible, exciting, change to the world kind of job. Like every, you, you can't wait for Monday morning for the alarm to go on. Because, in fact, you don't even need an alarm. You have energizer in you because you, you're changing the world with your work. And for some, it's not so exciting. It's like, you know, this is just what... I gotta go do, you know. <laughs> I gotta go to work. That's the right thing, you know. And I don't know what it was like for Zachariah if he was one of those men. Our tribe is being called by God to serve as priest. I'm so anointed. I'm going. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was like, oh, I guess it's my turn, honey. I'll see you in two weeks after whatever whatever happens, you know. So, but it was a regular day, and uh, and and then it had gone on from generation to generation, you know, and. and uh, his dad did the same kind of work. His grandpa did the same kind of work, going way back to the days of Joshua. You know, and yet in his ordinary, maybe not so exciting life, the divine calling, the divine purpose, God shows up. God shows up. If we uh, allow the Lord in our life, in our maybe super exciting jobs, or in our not-so-exciting jobs, ordinary kind of boring kind of mundane kind of work, well, God knows exactly where you are. And he says he will never leave us, nor forsake us, wherever we go. Wherever your foot goes, he's with you there. And allow God to use you. Allow him to open up your, uh, your eyes to see him in the middle of your everyday work. And so the second thing that we got to look at is, uh, is the gift within. Because sometimes when we hear this, you start thinking immediately, your mind goes, okay, I got to learn more. I don't know enough of this. I don't know. We start looking at ourselves, and the law saying, he's like, you don't look, need to look any farther. I want you to look within. Now, look at verse 11. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. I think I would too. But the angel said to him, 
Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. You see, so the promise here is that, that Elizabeth will, will conceive. Uh, what, what, what do we call children? A gift. They are a gift from God. Yeah, and many scriptures that say that, and we just say that even randomly. People that don't even know that it's in the Bible. Even when people that really don't like children, they will say it's a gift, but they, I just don't want that gift around me now, you know. But, 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 but what the angel is saying is that there's a gift inside of you, Elizabeth. The gift isn't out, you know, there's a gift inside of you. And you know, um, and that's the same with all of us. God has put a gift inside of each one of us. If we would look, we will see it. You know, it hasn't called us to be like somebody else or anything like that. No, no, God created us unique, and each one of us, uh, God has in- inputted a gift inside of us. If we see it, God will use it. If we say, God, show me the gift. Allow me to use, use me in the way that you created me, in my own unique way. Use me, God. You know, he will show you the gift. And sometimes we think the gift is some fabulous thing. Sometimes it's so simple, but if we look, you'll see it. And when you treasure it, then you'll be surprised at how much God can use us. Yeah, of the 7 billion people in the world, there's only one like you. And he gave, he gave gifts to all of us. And this also relates to who you know, like your family, your neighborhood, your work, your school is all unique to you, your situation, who you live with. I wanted to tell you a story about a, a missionary. His name is Bruce Olson. And in the 60s, he went down to this wild, remote jungle area b- right between Colombia and Venezuela. And he um, he went as a missionary. I believe he was uh, he was a Bible translator even. And he, um, he went down to this totally unreached people group. In fact, the Motalone Indians, they, they were, um, not only unreached, but anytime a foreigner had tried to enter, they were known to, outsider, 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 they were known to kill them even. So it was a very dangerous area he went to. And so he went very cautiously, um, into some nearby cities and worked his way into that area. And he, um, he was, he very cautiously, he worked with the people without trying to bring any change to them at all, um, to their culture, or their way of life, but just trying to learn about them and to try to see how he can share the gospel with them. And after years of this, he finally led this one young man named Bobby to the Lord. And it was years, it was a lot of work. And Bobby came to know the Lord and, and Bruce was so excited because he knew that the people needed one of their their own people that understood them to really see more people saved and more people to know Christ. And so after he led Bobby to the Lord, he was frustrated because Bobby was not sharing with anybody. He was not sharing Jesus with anybody. And Bruce is like, oh, man, all this work, you know, it's Bobby's turn. Bobby needs to carry this on. And um, he waited and waited, and, and one night he was invited to a, one of their traditional ceremonies that they have, uh, where the men they they are a singing culture, believe it or not, and they would they would swing in their hammocks at night and sing. Tribes would get together and they would sing to each other um, across the across the tents that they were in, and and the women and children would listen while the men sang back and forth. And this it was his first time going to one, and Bobby started singing. And a lot of times these ceremonies could last like 10 hours even. And Bobby started singing. And 
and Bobby was singing and singing, and, and Bruce talked about how um, the first couple hours he was so agitated because the, it was a very minory, chanty song. And it sounded very evil in his ears. And he was so annoyed, like, here, Bobby, <laughs> Bobby has Christ, and he's singing this, what sounds like it, this evil song to me. And at the end, it, it lasted for 14 hours. And men would sing back questions, and he would sing back answers. And at the end, every one of those villagers accepted Christ. Not one person in all of the, all of the surrounding villages that had come for that ceremony rejected Christ. And what I want to tell you about this story is it took Bobby. Bruce brought the gospel, and Bruce was so important in this story. But Bobby had the key for his people. Yeah. We all have the key for the people in our lives. We have it for the people in our lives. Even the way he was hearing the song, Bruce said, I had to repent later because I realized that the Lord created these people. He made their way. He made their song. And he loves it. Just because it doesn't sound right in my ears. Because he realized that I don't have the key for these people. Bobby had the key. We are each a Bobby to our world. If you were to walk into my world... We have the same culture, so it's not nearly as drastic. But I'll tell you, you would not connect with the people in my world immediately. If I were to walk into your world, I would not connect with the people in your world immediately. But you have a connection with the people in your world that I don't have. And we each are a Bobby to our own, our own sphere of influence, our own people, our own family, the people that we live with, our neighbors, the people that we work with. We have developed something over time. That is not to take lightly because we have that gift, like just like Elizabeth had a gift inside of her, we each have that gift for where God has placed us. And it's powerful. It's powerful. That's awesome. You know, another thing to point out from this story, if you were to read on, which we didn't read, but I'm going to read back verse 18. It says, Zechariah said to the angel in, in this encounter, he says, how can I be sure that this will happen? You know, how many times do we hear something that inspires us? Or maybe you think, oh, wow, God really says that about us. But immediately because we know of the limitation, we are aware of the scope of limitations and uh, our experiences, we immediately respond, like, I don't know how that's going to happen. How many have been guilty of that? (laughs) If I could lift both feet, I would. And the angel, I'm an old man. This is just a reality angel of God here. And my wife is also well along in years. But the angel was not really happy about the doubt here. He says, then the angel said, I'm Gabriel. Just so you know, I'm better than the rock. I'm better than Sylvester Stallone here. I stand before the presence of God. And it was him who sent me to bring you this good news. Isn't it interesting? He brings the good news. What's the good news? It's the gospel. But now, since you did not, since you did not believe that I said what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time, because he makes all things beautiful in his time. You know, Zachariah was unable to speak. He was mute until that baby was born. Only because he doubted about the gift that was in. And I thought there was a great connection 
to why we don't share. Most of the times when we don't share, when we are not active in sharing about Jesus and telling people, it's a really deep inside. We don't believe that we have that gift inside of us. We see it in other people. We say, oh yeah, they are definitely anointed. She's definitely anointed on that, but I, I, I'm not quite there yet. Like, uh, and we put all those limitations, like Zechariah says, hello, I don't know, how old? Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us how old they were. So a lot of theologians try to guess how much they were, and I'm not going to go there. We just know for sure is that they were well past childbearing age. And, 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 and you know, it doesn't matter if it looks impossible. Yeah, that's right. If God said it, God will do it. God will always keep his word. You can look outside. The situation may look so bleak. It might look there is absolutely no way. And that might be true. But God works in ways that we cannot see. God makes a way where there seems to be no way. When God says it, God will do it. He will always watch over his word to perform it. So don't be mute. And if you're mute, then I think we need to go back to the first step of faith of saying, God, I... Help me to see the gift within so I can believe that I'm anointed. Remember Pastor Rick Seward who spoke to us a few months ago, a couple months ago, and he says that, uh, that the, well, the first faith we need is just the, the small faith of a master seed that we need to believe. The first believe that you're anointed. Not believe to, to move mountains or anything. You just have to have enough faith to believe that you're anointed. And I've got to tell you, if you have Christ in you, you have that special gift and you are anointed. The third thing to keep in mind is your life experience. The Bible says that they were both very old. Their advance in age, their advancement in age implies that they were experienced. They had seen a lot and they had gone through a lot. And you know, God will use our experiences in life if we'll let him to share Jesus. The things that we have gone through, good, bad, education-wise, all these different things, he can use that for, share, for you to share Jesus There are people that you will be able to reach because of your experience and you can relate to them because you understand them more. In that story I was telling you about Bobby, he knew that the best way, he knew from experience that bringing news to people outside of a formal ceremony would mean nothing to them. And so he knew he had to wait for the formal ceremony and look at what happened in one night. So our our experience and our understanding that we gather over our lives, whether we're young or old, can help us a, can help us a lot and go very far in sharing Jesus and we we have to remember that we can have common things like fun things we do hobbies career profession school and we don't want to take those things for granted at all you know all the little things it could be uh, um, uh, like she said like even even hobby I'm always amazed at how disinterested my wife is with basketball. Extremely. <laughs> I'm like, babe, could you watch this game with me? It's awesome. I'm like, yeah, no. Just look at this Thanks. one play. I'm yeah. like, you know, but <laughs> like, let me rewind it for you. Just let me explain that move, how difficult it is. No more sense the third yeah. time through, believe you know, me. <laughs> but, you, but you know, you know how, how uh, even all the things that we have fun with, God is the one who created us. And he puts the different unique gifts and the different even interests that are just even for fun within us. But he uses those unique gifts so that we can, in turn, be able to connect with people yeah. at a relational way that they can hear us because we understand their language. You know, I've been going in and helping with the youth sometimes a little bit. And I realize that I'm the old guy that used to be the young guy back then. 
I still, I still think I'm 22, and I realize this guy speaks a completely different language than I, even I speak. And you know what? And, and it takes, you know, and, and it takes people. Even so, when we say experience, it's not about being old. Yeah, that's right. A 16-year-old that's on fire for Jesus will be able to reach a 16, other 16-year-olds better than the 37-year-old man can reach Jesus because they speak their own language. You know, <laughs> emojis and all—they have deeper meanings. You know, and all that. As a kid growing up, I was always very, very interested in math. I remember, in fact, I used to steal money from my mother because she couldn't do math better than me. She'll send me to the store to go and buy some stuff because I could add up everything. And I realized my mom's math was wrong. And so keep the rest of the self. God help me. I repented a long time ago. <laughs> but don't tell her this when she comes uh, to visit. But anyway... <laughs> I had a great interest in math, you know, I, I never got a B in math uh, in my life, and, uh, and so, and I, I was very early in age, and I started, so as I got older, I started kind of get a more, more interest in finance, and that was the direction that I was going. As, as my life was moving along, I thought, well, this is uh, what I'm going to do. I, I realized I was gonna, I'm going to use it, and, 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 and I'm going to maybe venture out in the, in the world of, of politics, because I believe that there are many believers that need to be out there. We need the spirit-filled believers to change the way politics is done. So that was the, way, the path I was going to go. Uh, and, and the Lord told me, stopped me in my tracks once and said, hey, I haven't called you to be a politician. I've called you to be, to be a minister of the gospel. So I had that in my life. But yet, for whatever reason... I never got an opportunity to work full-time in ministry. I still worked either in insurance companies or banks or, and, and all that. And, and I knew the Lord. It's like, God, you call me to ministry. When am I going to quit this job and go serve you full-time? But God says, no, I have you where I, I, I want you to be. And as you, know, as, as, you know, as you walk with the Lord and you know you're in His will, He unfolds different parts of your life. He unfolds and says, okay, here's what I want you to do. And I remember that led me to one point to quit the job I had uh, to go start a... It was a business, but to me, what was driving me was not the business, was the ministry opportunity that I saw in it, uh, and working with people's finances and stuff. And so I ventured out on my own with uh, maybe three kids, four, four kids. We had how many kids? Three kids? We were expecting our fifth when that happened. Yeah, we had four kids at that time, you know. Uh, and, it, you know, it, it, to go out on my own, and, uh, and, and, and you know, and, and, and she was home with the kids, you know, and it was a step of faith. But yet I knew the Lord had directed me in that path. Uh, and, you know, it's amazing how many people I met in their offices, in their homes, that would have never stepped foot in the church. They would have never even opened the door for me to talk to them as a pastor. But they'll come talk to me as a financial advisor to them. But everything was all Christian. I mean, like you see from the first page, from the website, it's all Christian. So I, I did that so I would have liberty to talk about the Lord. If they don't want to meet with me, they could say, hey, I don't want to meet with a crazy Christian guy. But, you know, God opened that door and I realized I need to use that door. And I led so many people to the Lord in their kitchen table, in their offices, their places of work, only because they opened the door through even what I did for a living. And so, and that's not different to, to, to with any of us. I, I know this year, this week, someone gave us a testimony about how they took a new job recently. And this person has been really getting plugged in with the Lord, has returned to the Lord, has been really following the Lord recently. And they took a new job and they were sharing how they found out when they went on the job that the owner of the company um, said that the, the people, meet, they get together for prayer. 
uh, as a company. I said, you're not, uh, 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 you're, you don't have to come to it, but this is what you do. You could come, but it's all your choice. And they're really impressed and excited because they they think, wow, the Lord's even planning the right people. But I thought about the business owner. They decided, hey, God's given me this gift. I'm going to use it to share the gospel through it. He's not forcing people, but he's going to share Jesus through everything he does. You are on your, in everything, you think about your life, everything you have in your life, your business, your job, your hobbies. Uh, God can use it to connect with people in a different level. And if you're authentically following Jesus, you don't have to force anything. You just have to live out for Christ. And when you need to talk about the Lord, talk about the Lord like you would. Don't, don't compactualize your life. Be, don't, don't do, don't do the Christian thing. Be the Christian. Don't do church. Be church. Be the church. Be the church at 5001 South 1st Street. Be the church at your address. Be the church in your neighborhood. Be the church. Be that. And, and as you connect your normal life, people will come to Jesus because they'll see Jesus in you. Because you're, you're walking through the same things they're walking through. Maybe you even trip up as they trip up, but you're walking with a grace that's because Jesus is inside of you. I, I really love that about Solo is he, re- he really does not waste an opportunity that he sees, whether it's in his business, whether he's talking outside to neighbors. You know, some of us are more neighbor talkative than others. And <laughs> he, he loves getting out there and talking, but he does not, he sees opportunity. And I do believe it's because he's looking for opportunities too. And we have to remember that, that we have to keep our eyes open for opportunities. It challenges me a lot when he comes home and tells me who he ministered to or who he led to the Lord that is just a very ordinary thing, someone mowing their lawn and he stopped to talk to them or whatever. And we have to be looking for those opportunities too, but the Lord can use so many avenues, every avenue of our lives. And so, okay, so the fourth thing is your pain. In verse 6, it says, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Clearly, the fact that they could not conceive had brought pain. And to add to that, they were old and they knew it was well over by now. Um, You talk to any married couple that in their first year of marriage and ask them, how many times have you been asked when the children are coming? <laughs> it's a lot, usually, if you're talking to a young married couple. So imagine they had a lifetime of this in an age, a day and age, where people had children like we do. <laughs> you know, a lot of them. We're born and, at a different and time. so they went through this, they went through their marriage so far, probably in a lot of pain because they did, they, over and over, year after year, they never had a child. And now that, that ship has sailed a while ago. And so that was pain to them. But God can use the bad things in our lives, even our pain, to bring Jesus, to Amen. share Jesus with people. Amen. And, you know, there's, there's two ways I really see it. When we are in the middle of our pain, whether we like it or not, people are watching us. People are watching us. Eyes are on us when we are walking through pain. And I know many of you have personal testimonies. I could start talking about them because I know a lot of them where you have shared Jesus right through your pain. But I want to tell you about a a, a minister who, a pastor in Montana who has shared at a a couple of um, pastor's conferences that we've been to. He wrote um, a book about the time when his third, he had four girls and his third daughter died suddenly at age six. She died suddenly of an asthma attack. It came totally out of the blue 
her, they didn't even think her asthma was that bad. And so it was incredibly shocking and painful. And it was in 2012 in December. Right about Christmas time. Yes. It was just right about now in 2012. And, um, he talks about, he writes about how, um, the hardest part was leaving the hospital, leaving the emergency room without her and getting in the car with his family and his wife, when they, they, he's a pastor, I told you, but it, it, within a week or two, they were having their huge Christmas service, which was a huge evangelistic event, like our Christmas banquet for them. And it was coming up and, and within the week or two. And they had been passing out flyers and telling everybody they know. And they just wanted to invite as many non-believers as they could. And um, when he got in the car after leaving the ER, his wife said, I think we need to invite the staff that worked on our child. And he, he at first he was like, oh, I can't do that. I, I am in way too much pain right now. And he thought for just a second, he's like, that's exactly what I have to do. And he went back in and he invited the doctors and the nurses. He gave them a flyer and he left. And, you know, he spoke, which is incredible to me. He spoke at that, at that Christmas service. And many of the doctors and nurses came, brought their families, gave their lives to the Lord and are still serving the Lord to this day. And it's because he was willing to let the Lord use him in the most painful moment of his life, it had so much impact. And, and, um, letting the Lord use us in pain is not easy, but at the same time, why waste the pain? I I don't, pain is not from God. Pain is from the pit of hell, but God can turn any situation into something beautiful too. He can use it. And so praying the prayer, Lord, don't, I don't want to waste this pain. I don't want to waste this use this pain can be so powerful. And I think a lot of the reason it's so impactful is because people are watching. People want to see how you are different through your pain. Mm -hmm. Another way that, um, that pain that the Lord can use pain is it helps us connect when it's in our past, when pain is a thing in our past, it can help us connect with people in our present. Um, a couple of years ago, I, I, um, I had shared a message. I had spoken a message at a pastor's conference, um, about three miscarriages I had, it was about hope, but I shared a story about how I had had three miscarriages in a row and then later another one. And I I was great sharing it there and it was well received, whatever. And then Solo asked me to share it at home here a couple years ago. And so I was like, okay, I came back here. And, um, I, I remember that morning before I was going to share that message that it was a strong word the Lord had given me that really was life changing for me about hope. And, um, I, I just remember that morning I was back in his office preparing and I felt like I totally did not want to share that message at all. I just, I was trying to think, Lord, give me another story. I I cannot do this. And for some reason sharing to my own people, my people that really knew me, it just felt so, it was, it felt very painful again felt very personal. And then I, I started being worried that, oh, people are going to think I'm whining. These people know me. They know my, how many beautiful children I have running around here. It will just sound like whining or whatever. I don't, it just felt so wrong, but I knew the Lord was telling me to do it. And so I got up here and I, I, I preached the message I knew I was supposed to. And, um, later on, I found out that there was a young couple in the congregation that morning and it was their first time here. And they were currently experiencing their third miscarriage in a row. 
And my story was so similar to theirs. I knew that the Lord had shown me that if I would have kept that or changed that, they would not have heard that message of hope the same way. And they told me that it was like I was speaking directly to them, a message directly for them. And I was like, oh, Lord, nothing else matters. That's all. All I wanted was to be used by you. But the Lord can use the pain that we experienced in the past if we're willing to connect with people in a way that we wouldn't otherwise. And so God God can really use our pain. I, I believe it was so miraculous that they were unable to conceive all of that time. And then when the when they were advanced in age, when they were old people, they had, and this was not the immaculate conception of Mary. This was a couple that had gone through a painful marriage of, of, um, of not being able to conceive. And God used it in such a miraculous way that, that brought a lot of hope to a lot of people as well. Just that part. Praise the Lord. Now, our lives are just like John the Baptist, as I said earlier. God's called all of us to, to share Jesus with people. There are people that will never come to Christ, never, if I did not share with. There are some people that will never come to Christ if you did not share Jesus with. John the Baptist had no idea the scope of the gospel, the scope of his ministry. He knew just to go in and tell people, guys, you repent, you need to turn from God. There's someone coming after me who's greater than I, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. But when he comes, you know, I'm going to baptize you with water, but when he comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And people started receiving faith back. They started gaining their faith back. They had turned away from God, but their faith started coming up. When Jesus showed up, many people came. And that chain has been going on through the years. You may never know the one person you touch you may not even pray for them there. Maybe you only just invited them to church. And they showed up. You may never know who they will touch. How many people will be impacted just by the fact you stepped out of the box. You stepped out of your comfort zone. You overcame all the different uh, barriers that you saw. Uh, and just said, hey God, I, I'm gonna, I started praying for this person. You may never know the impact that you will make. Um, um, <clears throat> Grandpa Stan, who'll be Eleanor's husband right here, and uh, he's with Jesus right now, celebrating, playing face stand there in heaven or something like that. But um, many years ago, in the 60s, he took his family back in, to Nigeria. He took his young family back to Nigeria because the Lord has sent them there. And they ministered in a remote uh, village tribe. I think I hear these days that Hale is a lot more developed, but it was not developed back then. And, uh, and so, and, um, and spent 10 years ministering during the Biafran War. It was a big uh, civil war in Nigeria at the time. Now, 40 years later, so, you know, they touched many people. 40 years later, they're in Nairobi. They were overseers at the church that I belong to here in Nairobi. There's a guy there, his name was Johnny. He's Johnny Omukora, who became, who was actually came to Nairobi. He was a Nigerian who moved to Nairobi from Nigeria, which is, by the way, on the other side of the continent. Uh, New York to L.A. is closer. I'll give you into perspective. And he came as a journalist. He came for business. He worked as a journalist. And then as a judge, he got the call of God in his life. And he, he quit his uh, business and went in, uh, quit his uh, secular job and was working on staff at the church as one of the associate pastors. And Johnny 
he was in his studies at that time. As he was talking to Grandpa Stan, they spent about three months there in Kenya at one point. As he was putting the connection of how the gospel came to his village, he realized that Grandpa Stan had led his father, his parents, to the Lord 40 years prior. And Johnny was in Nairobi serving as a pastor at the same church 40 years later. And right now, Johnny and his wife, Anne, they are in, they are missionaries in South Africa, uh, planted a church about five years ago. You know, Grandpa had no idea. It was really, the connection is, yeah, he's the, he's the American guy with his family that led my parents to the Lord. And that changed. And now his kids, that man's children, are serving the Lord. He's, he was, he was one of those, one of the people, one of the most prolific prayer warriors I ever met. In fact, he started my prayer life. Because Johnny, when he was single, this guy was praying for his grandkids, and he wasn't even dating anyone. I'm like, man, I need to up my game in prayer here. You know, this guy, you know, so he challenged me, he challenged me to actually pray broader. He goes, hey, I know I have a desire. One day I'll get married, and I'll have kids, and I've got, so I'm, going, I'm praying into the future. This guy, this is a man of faith. But it all started back then. Grandpa Stan, out in Detroit, the Lord says, hey, why don't you go to the people in Nigeria? Spent all those years, did not realize and God will let it within his path to actually meet a son of someone he led to the Lord 40 years in a different path on the Atlantic coast not, and, and meet him on in the Indian Ocean side of things. So I, I, my point in clo- closing with that story is that God's not calling us to do anything complicated. He's not calling us to stand on the corners of the street uh, with a microphone and speak. He's not calling you to be a Bill Graham or a Joe Austin or any of that. No, God's calling you to be you. And share Jesus as you, in your own unique style, in your own life. Just be, be cognizant of it. Realize you have a gift inside of you. If you're in God's will, walking in God's will, being where God wants you, you have a gift inside of you. He, he will use your pain if you've experienced pain, which I believe everybody in this house can relate to pain. God will use your pain, and he will also use your experiences, your hobbies, anything. If you will let God use you, he would use you. Because there is a world out there that needs to hear the message of Jesus. Not the religious message, the reality of Jesus who is still changing lives. He's still transforming people. He is as real as the air we breathe. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with us? Let's pray. Did you receive something from the Lord this morning? Awesome, awesome. I want to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much for the gift that you've given us, Lord. Just as your word says, behold... What manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called the sons, the daughters of God. Thank you for the wonderful gift that we have inside of us, the gift of your Son, who saves us, who delivers us, who heals us, who strengthens us, who comforts us, who speaks to us, the essence of life. God, I pray. I say that you will help us to see that gift inside. That you will start up our faith, oh God. I pray that you will break every yoke of fear, every yoke of unbelief, every spirit, oh God, that discourages us in any kind of sense. I just pray that you break every wall and every barrier in our lives. And that God, you will cause your spirit to move in us afresh. That this Christmas season, as the world celebrating Jesus, as people, even without knowledge, celebrate the festive season 
without really sinking in and realizing why we are celebrating, I pray we'll be the ones that bring that, that part, the real part of Christmas into people's lives. We thank you. We honor you. We worship you, God. Come on, let's worship the King right now, just where you are in a moment. Begin to just say things to him from your heart. There's no right way to say it. Just how you feel about him, whether it's thankfulness, gratefulness, or just songs of adoration, words of adoration. Oh, it's too quiet. It's too quiet. Talk to God. Allow, speak it out. Speak it out. There's something that happened. There's an heavenly transaction that takes place when we worship the Lord from our hearts. When we open our mouths to Him, His presence comes. We welcome His presence in our situation, in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We bring an offering of praise into your house, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Son of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Lord. Oh, we love you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Lord, thank you for your presence in our lives. We invite you in our worship. We invite you in our praise. We invite you in our situation, in our homes, in our community. Father, we pray even for this December season, God, in our whole city. I know there are pastors even in this city that are wanting to reach people for Jesus. I pray for every church in our community that's really keen on winning souls to the kingdom. That you will anoint him. That you will anoint the people of God in this city. That we can call Lincoln can be called the city of our God. We thank you. The people, families uh, are restored back to you God. Those that have been lost. Uh, those that have been backslidden. That they are sliding back to you God. Father we pray in the name of Jesus. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. I want every head bowed. Let's keep your eyes closed for a moment as we continue to pray. You might be here today. And you can't really share Jesus fully because you haven't been living for Jesus yourself. And right now, you can't really start that unless you make things right with God yourself. You open your heart for Jesus to come in. And this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to do that by, 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 by way of prayer. I want to pray a special prayer for you. You're saying, Pastor Sola, you know, I want to start. I want to start today. I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to return to God because I cannot share that which I do not have. And right now, you can have Jesus. And it's so simple. It's just opening your heart to God and saying, yes, God. Yes, God, I want you in my life. I want the perfect gift of God in my life. I want this Christmas to be different. Not about the things, not about the uh, all that's going on and all that is cool, nothing wrong with that. But I want it to be about the real meaning, the real meaning of the season. If you know I'm talking to you, just wave. I just ask everybody to close their eyes, just to allow, uh, to respect the Lord's presence. Thank you, sir. You can put your hand down. Wave at me. I have my eyes open. I'm looking. Just wave at me and say, hey, pray for me. Me too. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Just wave at me. Just to acknowledge. Because I want to pray a special prayer for you this morning. Thank you, God. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. And maybe you have served God before. 
but right now you're not walking with him. And God is speaking to you right now in, in your heart and saying, you know what, I need a fresh start. I need a fresh start with God. I want this to have meaning. Anybody else? Give, I'll give you just one moment and I'm going to pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Would you all pray with me? We'll do a congregation prayer. And pray with those that raise their hands. God already sees your hearts. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today just as I am. I thank you that you died on the cross for my sin. I know I'm a sinner. And so today I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me. Cleanse me, Lord. Give me a pure heart. A clean heart. A fresh start with you. I open my heart to you, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm committing to follow you today. Give me the strength. Give me what I need to walk with you, to serve you, and to love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.